0: This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of Acme. Hello, everybody. I'm Anna Jeffries, the conference programmer. Welcome to Brand Plus Filmmaker Equals Story presented by Screen Tasmania. The first thing I want to say is that we are on the Wurundjeri people's land, the traditional owners and custodians of the land that the session is held on. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. I also want to um, acknowledge and thank Screen Tasmania for um, sponsoring and presenting this session. Um, it was um, actually an idea of theirs that came to us and it was it was a perfect fit because it was something that Alex, um, Alice and I had been thinking about. Um, I'm going to hand over now to the executive manager of Screen Tasmania, Alex Sangston. Thank you, Alex.
1: Hello, everybody. How are we all? <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> You're all very excited. Um Can I add my acknowledgement to the uh, traditional owners of the land on which we meet and um, also pay my respects to Elders past and present? Um, As Anna said, we came up with this idea largely because we've been playing around with the way that we fund documentary and factual projects at Screen Tasmania. We have quite famously a very limited budget, although after the election on Saturday night it's quite a bit bigger than it used to be, so I'm a little bit excited. Um, The... We're very platform agnostic. We obviously fund traditional documentary and um, cultural and artistic pieces of work, but we will go so far as to fund reality TV, competitive um, projects, set-up projects, and certainly brand-funded content, Um, and we are in um, Ben Milburn's uh, Food Lab 2 that's screening at the moment on SBS Food. Um, We find it very exciting that people are able to identify differing funding sources and therefore we're able to leverage our money to make it go further in the marketplace and get more content made by Tasmanians and about Tasmanians up on screen. So that's why we were really excited by this idea. But you're not here to hear from me, you're here to hear from the panel. So because I've been introduced, I'm now going to introduce the moderator who's then going to introduce the panel. So I'm going to hand over now to John John Cherry from Tapestry Media who will now continue the introduction chain. So thank you very much for coming. Thanks, Alex.
2: Welcome everybody, and to continue the introduction chain, uh, let me introduce the panel. Uh, At the end here, Robert Fernandez, and the context I want to introduce Robert uh, in right now is as an Oscar and Emmy Award winning documentary producer, and that's pertinent to this question of of making brand funded content. Uh, Donovan Chan uh, is the creative director of Beach House Pictures. Uh, based in Singapore, a prolific uh, Prodco. Katie Roberts is uh, head of video for Vice Australia and New Zealand. And Ben Milburn from Tassie has built a prolific career making brand-funded shows uh, in, in the food genre. Yeah. So brand-funded content, we are here at a documentary conference... Um, I came into this session with a lot to learn about this space. I'm a documentary producer. Uh, I haven't made a show fully funded by a brand. Um, I've made shows for networks that are brands. Um, So I've got a real curiosity for how this space works and um, I'm sure many in this room do. So I kind of feel that through this session, we may get to the bottom of some of that question. Is it, is it possible to make legitimate documentary, whatever that is, uh, with brand-funded con, uh, brand context? Um, I've dug a... Um, I've kind of dug out and adapted a definition of brand-funded content. Um, Alex? So, contrary to embedded marketing, which is uh, product placement, uh, where the brand is placed within the content, yeah, branded content places the content within the brand. Yeah, slight like nod there. I think, I think, what's intriguing here is the the world that the the world of the brand um, is being built or looked at or referenced, perhaps, uh, in the film or the content that the brand is funding, yeah? So the first case study, if you like, or the first example at the big end of town uh, of brand-funded content is a feature documentary. So this is one of Robert's uh, films. It's called AlphaGo. And it's currently on Netflix. Uh, I watched it the other day and it blew me away. It's a great story, a human story. Um, and uh, it was entirely funded by Google. And as I said, I mean, I, I was genuinely moved by that story it, as what I would call a legitimate documentary. It's 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 a vulnerable human versus machine kind of premise, and it was fascinating. Uh, and what you, you kind of glimpse it there, but Google don't present it. No. Google aren't there in the credits. Um, Google are uh, referenced in the background by virtue of the fact that they put on the competition, as I understand it. it was the kind of scene at you know the, uh, of, of the climax. Um, so so let's Look, Robert, um, what, why is AlphaGo a good example of the reason that you do brand-funded content?
3: Um, as a producer, um, they're, for me, they're, brand-wise, there's no different. As far as I'm concerned, Netflix is a brand. Sony Studios are a brand. Warner Brothers, it's all the same. It really has to do with the um, honesty in, in terms of what the content is. Um, with this specifically, um, we were working with the creative lab of Google, which we do a lot of. They're like an internal part uh, of Google. Um, and they were uh, wanted us to cover this event that was happening in South Korea because they have a stake in DeepMind, which is the company that created the software, the AI software. Okay. Um, and to be completely honest, it was more like documenting that. The thought is maybe we can do a short or something to, of that nature. Um, And as with documentary, the actual event was amazing. There's no way that you could ever think the reaction of the people. You know, it's a film about AI and technology. You wouldn't expect so much emotion and such. So um, immediately we saw the potential of the project. Um, We spoke with Google. They really understood that. And literally it's about setting parameters. It's as simple as that. They wanted it to be seen as a legitimate film. Um, And basically, you just set up the barriers where, as the filmmakers, we can do that. Um, They're they're just basically the underwriter, the financial support, and that was it. So so they didn't want to control the editorial? No. They didn't
2: insist on X amount of shots with Google in the background? No.
3: And I, I, I would say, to their credit, it was the complete opposite, where even on the step and repeat, you would see the Google logo purely because they were one of the sponsors of the actual event. They were really concerned, do we even want to see that there? And it's kind of like, I think a big part of it is is to be completely transparent. Um, In the beginning, they didn't want to go out and say specifically (laughs) they were involved, but I also felt there's nothing wrong with specifying when the question comes up who, who actually financially supported the project. Ultimately, the project, it's judged on its own. So it's it's either a 90-minute commercial for a brand yep. or it's a legitimate film, and it's really then it puts the emphasis on the filmmaker to be able to keep that separation because mm-hmm. um, the last thing that we need to do is to put forward a film like that. And look, I, I started and do a lot of television commercials, so I understand the difference. And and the second you put forward a film that it's sort of reeks of branding in a 90 minute commercial, then you lose all credibility. So that's really how I sort of justify that sort of difference.
2: That's interesting. So credibility is, is kind of key, you know, to come out, to know that you've trod that fine line that you can look yourself in the eye and go, well, yeah, we haven't made a big ad.
3: Yeah, and, and, I, and I think brands appreciate that. I think brands, it's not, this is not for every brand. So mm-hmm. I think brands understand what they want to do be be involved in a legitimate film. Um, um, there, It's no benefit to them if immediately it sort of reeks of an ad. Yeah. Um, would that film have
2: happened without Google? C- could it have happened without Google? Probably not. Purely because
3: of access, Um, um, the access we were given, being there when that happened, especially dealing with technology, which is, you know, is very secretive and proprietary, Um, getting access to a lot of the other filming that we did after the actual event, um, without sort of that partnership with Google, we never would have gotten access to do that. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Donovan.
2: So, as a a television production company, so from the outside looking in, that's what I see when I go to the the Beach House Pictures website, for example. I I see you as a as a, as a TV production company, a prolific one. Uh, why do you do brand funded content?
4: I think I think I agree with a lot of what Robert was saying is that you know with with brand funded content, it's just another way to fund. Um, great ideas for stories um, that you you may be developing, or you do in collaboration with a brand. So it's just another way to tell great stories from our perspective. Um, I mean, that's really what I personally and what Beach House Pictures is about. Um, so and just to go back to what Robert was saying as well, is that it's it's very mature thinking for some brands to be able to do what he's able to achieve and what some of us. Have been able to achieve its some of the stories and and also it's a very collaborative effort they, really? it's not um the the brands who would do something like this they, they want to be helpful they don't really want to obstruct they don't try and create obstacles for you so but but that's why, why we get into it because we we just have a lot of fun when we do branded content it's not we don't see it as sacrificing or Selling out, we see it just like a great fun way of being able to spend someone else's money and come up with something cool.
2: Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. So, so they want to be involved, but don't they want an outcome? Don't they say it has
4: to be this? Yeah, they do, and they do, and but you have gotta be. Um, it's it's the honest truth is that when a brand funds um, a project like AlphaGo or. What you'll see later, uh, a show like Meet the Makers, it's, is it's just one part of a much larger campaign, most of the time. So, so for the so, brand. Yeah. So, yeah. You, uh, as much as they want your film to succeed or your series of films to succeed, they, they don't expect it to be the one and only thing to, to, to create brand awareness as part of the campaign. They've got a multitude of things that they will create as part of that, and they'll have digital content, they'll have events, they have everything else in between, and, and it's just one section of a much larger machine
2: so that yeah. that's a helpful perspective isn't it to, to kind of realize that you're part of a bigger picture there yeah and that you've got this opportunity with this this part of that bigger picture mm. that's empowering yeah okay um you said to me that it's an important tool for today's producer mm. brand funded content uh
4: what why why is it important um as we all know, like budgets are shrinking rapidly um, from various sources that we may see as traditional content, but in uh, tra- traditional platforms. I mean, um, but you know, we you know, I we come from Asia, uh, and from Singapore, where traditionally budgets have always been slim, so we've never had the luxury of of massive budgets. So we've pretty much lived at those tight. You know, budgets and having to be uh, cost-effective, 24/7, 365 days a year, and just having to come up with really clever ways of getting a show off the ground. Which is why, when we set up Beach House, we predominantly focus on co-productions, partly because of the grant money that was available in Singapore, but also, you know, you had to find clever ways to do it. And the brands um, became a very integral part of the funding system in Asia, where um, in the beginning, it was all about putting the product, like you said, in the show. Somehow, yep. which still happens today, especially yep. in China, where we do a lot of brand funded stuff as well, um, but more and more with the matured brands, they, they just want to tell a good story, um, and sometimes they have a place or an event that they want to cover, like what robert 's saying then they say look we 've got this money for event coverage, but mm-hmm. could you do something different with this like, you know yep. and as storytellers, we have to be the ones to be responsible to help advise and consult them and create something compelling for them. Because you know, if we're so used to being talked to by channels where they say, here's the brief, this is what I'm looking for, this is what's rating my channel, next you do the same thing but better and cheaper. You know, like we're so used to that, but brands will be, like, be like, tell me something, tell me what to do. You know? mm-hmm. So a lot of times we have to take the prerogative and that's quite refreshing. Uh, and that's why we like the different ways of being able to slice and dice that pie, if you so, so to speak. I mean, mm.
2: that's interesting. Two examples where that approach has been taken. Uh, uh, so, could you introduce uh, the next clip? Meet the makers, and 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 perhaps uh, j- just briefly how this came about.
4: Um, so, meet the makers was a production we made with Diageo. Um, as many of you know, Diageo um, is the owner of many liquor brands. Uh, including Johnny Walker, um, Pride and Joy, well, for, for them, and and we were approached because they wanted to create a brand awareness campaign mainly to do, to kind of remind people of their values, um, you know, tradition, but reinventing tradition, so to speak, and, and legacy and things like that, and it, it came to us as a PowerPoint, and extremely dry, and, and they said, look, you know, can we turn this into a story that people actually want to watch, rather than us just blaring away at it, um, and so we came out with a series called Meet the Makers, where it included in an episode on uh, a whiskey blender, uh, namely the Master Blender, um, Jim beverage, and um, and he. Um, but in doing so, we we also made stories about other makers, um, and now, now this is at the time when we made this, there were several other brands, including Shivas Regal, who just so happened came up with the same idea, um, but just executed in a completely different way. So it's. It's one of those things where they, a great example of how they wanted to achieve something but they had no idea how to do it, but they were brave enough to do it because uh, Diageo is still quite traditional in the way they advertise. Um, in fact, they've, they've worked with Vice in the US as well um, on, on, through other like Smirnoff and things like that. So, so they have different ways of looking at it. So we created the series and, and it's since basically been reversion to a one hour show. And we've sold it around the world uh, through TVF, our distributor, and it's kind of done pretty well. So, um, so it's a great example of how you could take something really dull and turn it into something that could be quite interesting.
2: What's interesting for me in, in that is that it, you're taking us into a, a number of different worlds. It's not just the brand world. And yeah. so, for me, that that's the innovation in it. Yeah, is is, is that fair to say?
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and also, uh, we cut it this way for the clip just to show you that you know it's it's a lot of val- a lot of things run through each film. Um, and in fact, for the one hour, it's just an extended discussion on on what is tradition. You know, what does it mean today in today's society where we we don't even we hardly write on paper and we're using smartphones and things like that. You know, why do we care about things like you know silk weaving and you know things like that so there's a there's a, a bit of that honest discussion as well which is quite good mm. um so yeah and uh, you, you can see a lot of the values that Johnny Walker stands for that's kind of woven into it as well which is kind of quite common things that we all believe in or want to discuss okay yeah
2: yeah, yeah. no no it it is it, it's interesting it it presents as a as as a genuine investigation, a genuine look, a, gen, a genuine entry point into, mm. a, in, into a number of worlds of, yep. of craftsmanship, yeah. So an interesting example, I think, of, of brand-funded mm. content. Uh, ben? Yeah. You've built a career partnering with brands. Yeah. yeah. How's, how's that gone? How's that going? What, where have you come from?
5: Well, my career in, in what we do now wouldn't exist if it wasn't for brands. I work in a space which is food television, which lends itself so nicely to working with brands who also work in and play in that space. And I think Robert was saying before, the, the end result of a, any content that's made is, do the audience enjoy it? Um, is it something they want to watch? And, and they really, the reason why for us brands now play in the, the area of brand-funded content is because audiences have become very savvy to being sold to yep. in advertising. They have, yeah. So they want to know more than just a 30-second ad about the brand. And... Uh, Creating content the way we create content gives us an opportunity to tell that story in a, in a longer form um, uh, longer form way of, of storytelling. So the brand is interested in, we only work really with brands that uh, benefit from being transparent. So we've, we've built relationships through uh, me working in the food industry for the last seven or eight years. I've built relationships with brands that I know that by being open, transparent and, and being truthful about what it is that you do at this brand, your brand recognition will grow in, in that space. So we only work, and it, is, and it is a slippery slope, I guess, but if you make sure you're working with the right brand, who the end result of us as a production company and the brand by lining together is to get to the same point, yep. then it can work.
2: So so it's key to choose your partners, is that fair to say?
5: It is for us, yeah. It needs to Their values, their ethics, their story needs to resonate with what it is that we're trying to do. Um, and if it doesn't, then we just don't go into that initial meeting. Um, and that initial meeting, um, Rob was saying it before, you set down parameters of this is the space that we're able to, to play with. Um, are we able to get an all access pass to, to what it is that you do at this company um, to create your product? And if we're able to get that, then we can move forward.
2: Editorial control.
5: Editorial control is the first thing we discuss with every brand that we work with because we need it. Um, we work with, with a big brand at University of Queensland who are one of the main sp- um, brand partners for our show Food Lab and they have editorial control over what their researchers are saying because they're their staff and we agree to that. But everything else, the way the story is told, um, the way it's perceived, um, we, we get to veto any, any comments that come back from them.
2: Yeah yeah interesting and and so uh food lab we're we're going to watch it um, introduce uh the clip we 're going to see but but i'm fascinated in this being an example of choosing a brand that can fit an outcome for your show is that like they serve a purpose
5: yeah yeah I mean you were saying before that the 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 format or the show itself becomes uh, uh um canvas for the brand to become known through Mm -hmm. and we to create food lab we needed scientific expertise to do that um i'm I'm an applied science i've an applied science degree and i went to university at uq so that's where i went back to but we needed access to researchers we needed access to a university campus and we needed access to labs to be able to tell the stories of science behind food so it was a natural fit um, for us to go to a university and do that. So the show wouldn't be as good as it is mm-hmm. if we didn't have that connection with, with the mm-hmm. brand and the University of Queensland. Um, and because we needed access to that, it just made sense to partner with them mm. in, in telling the story of, of science and food. Okay. Yeah, but.
2: great. So the, so they are your, uh, the University of Queensland are your science partner. For, yeah. For, for the show.
5: And they give us the clout to make the show more than just a food show. So the, the, the connection to science in every episode um, is really important to, to make this show um, different to every other food show that's out there. But food shows lend themselves so well to because you have to use brands or you have to use products to make the end result. Yep. So it's an opportunity to partner with some brands to be able to do that as long as those brands align nicely um, with what our brand is as a, as a production company. Yeah. So it ha- there has to be that that synergy between the two, and we have. I mean, Rob was saying before about we've had um, conversations with brands before about them. They don't want to be. They don't want to see their brands on TV because they they're worried that it's going to seem like they are trying to sell something. They're more interested in people yeah. having the conversation.
2: So so they it's almost like they pull back. Yeah. From that
5: because they're worried yeah. that they're, it'll be seen as um, as a sales pitch yeah. more so than a, a genuine attempt to tell a story.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, example of, of going to a brand who can give you... Uh, I mean, it, it, there's a similarity in all examples so far, actually, that the brand is offering you an opportunity for the, the fabric of your show.
5: Exactly. And, um, and it is, uh, we sit down, when we're having a pitch about what do we want to do next or what um, what projects do we want to take on, the first question that comes up is how do we fund it? Um, and then we have a discussion about right, what brands that we know of Um, benefit from this story being told and it being told honestly and upfront and and transparently and then we can make a list and go, right, well, these are the brands that we think get something. If the story was told with them or without them, the story would be told the same. So let's get them involved. Uh-huh. Um, and try and get some some money out of them to make something that's going to help grow their their industry.
2: So they pay you money as well as provide the scientific.
5: Yeah, yeah. So and, and that's I mean we, we did a, a back end um, deal with University of Queensland a, around licensing and yeah. um, because they were we see them as just a production partner more so than than a brand partner.
2: Okay. Okay. Uh, you got it on television. You got yep. it on SBS? Yeah, SBS yeah. Food Network, yeah. How, how did that come about? Was that an acquisition or, or a post-presale? So we,
5: we had a show um, that was on SBS Food Network called Andy and Ben Eat Australia. Yeah. Um, that showed you really well for them and we had a conversation. SBS were looking at, at um, partnering with production companies that were making local content and we pitched this show to them and um, obviously it's a food network so it fits quite nicely. The relationship with the network is, is vitally important for us um, because they... SPS Food Network have quite uh, a stringent set of guidelines around what a show can look like. It can't look like a sales pitch. Um, so it goes through an editing commission there to make sure that it's not overtly um, an ad, a 23-minute ad for, for a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that really um, um, strong, open, honest relationship with the network is really important as well yeah. on who you're working with, what they are trying to get out of the, the show, and, and that is... Um, like has been said already, it's just about being really transparent about what is the, the main goal of the show. Mm. And our goal of the show was to make people better scientists through food. So we looked at every segment and said, "Is the, is this segment doing that?
2: So it was a means to an end. Your brand relationships there, both of them actually, are a means to an end.
5: Yeah, and we also thought this isn't the only... So we create shoulder content and social media content and um, a whole heap of production content for the brands as well to try and limit the amount of brand recognition or the amount of times the actual brand is seen in the show. So we give back to the the brand Hmm. we're working with in different ways. So it's kind of their funding the show, but we're creating a whole heap of shoulder content to keep them happy. That okay. is all their the brand-driven stuff. Yep. To try and create as clean skin a show as we possibly can, because again, working with a network or trying to on sell the show, you can't create a show that looks like twenty three minutes of ads, because then a network is going to find it really difficult to sell the ad space that sits between those shows. <laughs> sure, sure. Because it's, they can't. If if a um if an airline is involved in the show, then they can't go to the 50 other airlines because this show has a conflict with... yeah. How interesting. So it's, you're trying to create a clean skin show. So it's how can we carve all the other things that um, that, that um, space that they're working in and getting brand recognition and brand awareness. What else can we do to help you do that apart from put your brand all over this television show?
2: Mm. Yeah. yeah, innovative. Innovative. Oh, yeah, interesting. Uh, Katie... You uh, represent Vice uh, as a, a a network, yeah. So can you can you tell us a little bit about why a network, what uh, a broadcaster like uh, Vice, is, is utilises brand funded content?
6: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think since the beginning of Vice, even being a magazine, we've we've always known that brands offset what we do to make content um, so whether that's you know selling it out in a magazine or you know having another way to work with brands as we've evolved into video content it's, it's not really ever something we've been scared of um, like I remember when it when it used to just be a magazine one of the first brand funded things I think that the team here did was um, uh like there was a video game release and um they they wanted them to give them some money to put an ad in they're like oh no wait no give us money and we're going to lock ourselves into a penthouse suite, pen suite and we're going to play this game for 48 hours so they all, I think they always came from this background of like thinking differently about how to take brands money to do yes. things that their audience yes. actually want to watch yeah, um <laughs> so I mean yeah that's always just kind of been part of our like Financing model is that um, that working with brands allows us to also do the documentaries that are more pointy and maybe brands don't necessarily want to be associated with. But um, I think that one thing that's really true for our audience is our audience is, is young. Um, they're they're very like savvy, as you said. Like I think there's a quote from um, one of our founders is that you know young people have the most sophisticated bullshit detectors, bullshit detectors on on the planet, and like the only way to circumvent that is like not bullshit them. So I think one thing that we do do in terms of our brand funded content is we, we are fully transparent about it. It's like, we're, we're not like awkwardly holding hands with the brand. We're sort of like, no, we're doing this. And, um, young audiences, uh, are really, really, they are just smart. They understand that that that's a way to make content and that's a way that, that to get some content that they want to watch. And I don't think they really care, but yeah, it does come back to, it can't be an ad. Um, and that, to be honest, like it, it's not a utopian perfect world working with brands all the time. it's It can be really, really difficult. Um, I think particularly when there's product placement involved, uh, it, you know, if, if you can avoid product placement, avoid it. It just opens up a whole lot more conversations about for scrutiny around that particular moment in the documentary. Uh, is it lit properly? Is it like this? Can it be on screen more? Obviously, yeah, like everybody said here, it's about finding the right brands to partner with. Um, if you find the right brands to partner with, they completely align with what you're trying to do. You can set everything out at the beginning, um, be fully transparent, have awkward conversations. Don't let anything be kind of murky and we'll talk about it later. Just like have all of your cards on the table immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, again, it's it's just another way to, to get, um, uh, to make stories and, and get more content out of there that we think our audience is going to engage with. So, um, so got to do it. So
2: when... If someone pitches a show to you as, as as a broadcaster, do you look at how you can align that with a brand? Is that part of the thinking or is it about coming up with ideas internally that can form, you know, that part of what you do?
6: Yeah, I mean, so so Vice is primarily digital um, originally and obviously now we have Viceland, which is our TV channel. Um, but internally uh, at Vice we have our own sort of... Uh, creative agency so we do function I guess semi like an agency where we do have brands coming to us they you know we have a huge young audience and they want to access them Um, so so often brands will come to us in that way and say you know we want to do something about this or um, well, we want to talk about this theme, um, and we'll sort of, you know, respond to that in a way that makes sense for our audience. And I think Vice is in a very lucky and fortunate situation that we do have the power of our audience, which means that we have a pretty strong leverage card to say, okay, yes, we we want to do something with you, but our audience is only going to like it if it's like this, mm-hmm. and it can't mm-hmm. have ABC in it, or that's not going to work, or right. we'll okay. just walk away. Um, whereas potentially the smaller production companies don't necessarily have that power, so are beholden to the brand and have to say yes a lot more um but we'd also work in the other way where we sort of work on proactive pictures of content that we want to make um our editorial you know team we develop our slate and we work very closely with with our you know creative director um so he knows what's in our slate and maybe it's something we've decided that we're not going to you know go after and develop and make this year but he's like oh actually you guys wanted to do that show and maybe we could get this brand to pay for it yeah um so it's yeah it's a few, a few different ways
2: okay Okay, uh, the saltwater cowboy. We're, we're about to watch a clip. I enjoyed watching this one. It's it's uh, people might be surprised that this is funded by a brand. Yeah,
6: yeah, that's why I chose it because I think that um, often when people think of branded content, they just think of this like watered down version of content, and you can't say anything, and it's all very safe and positive, Um, whereas, yeah, this clip is from a deal that our US office has with Verizon, which is a telco, Um, and it's uh, part of sort of like a a series. It's called Daily Vice, so it's daily content that they make Verizon for Verizon um, to run on their mobile platform, so basically, Verizon customers get exclusive access to um, Vice content um, for a first run on mobile, and um, then we actually run it the next day on our site just as our own content okay. um so yeah so,
2: so so why the hell did a brand pay for that
6: <laughs> yeah it's a great question um well i mean if you look at sort of verizon's set of problems that they're trying to solve they're trying to get uh customers using their their service um so what can they offer them that makes people want to go onto verizon and so i guess you know the story is that well they can get exclusive first access to vice content that other people on different um networks can't Um, so, and obviously with Verizon, there's, there's a huge amount of trust and respect in what Vice does. They know that they've got a captive audience and that people that they know how to make content that young people want to watch. Um, so there's, they've obviously put a huge amount of trust in Vice, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to make those decisions on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Um, and also because it is such, it's such a long-term deal. It's daily Vice that we're making, you know, I think it's 15 minutes of content for them a day. Um, that, that trust evolves over time as the deal becomes longer and longer and longer and you're seeing results, um, then that that trust just grows.
2: And editorial independence in that scenario, I mean, do you do, do they have sign-off of the content that they commission?
6: Um, I, I'm not 100% yeah. sure of specifically this deal because it's out yeah. of the US office, but I don't think so, no. Yeah,
2: okay. Um, so the, there is that trust relationship there. Yeah. That's really kind of key... all these examples is that the brand trusts the filmmaker. Absolutely.
6: Once you lose that trust, things can derode very fast.
5: It bears out over time. Like we've had brands that we've worked with for a while just come to us and say, just make something, we'll fund it. You guys just make it. We're at the point where we kind of we put this money aside in a budget every year to give to you. Hmm. We're at that point now where we understand that you by you doing what you do, it enhances our brand. We have nothing to hide, you have nothing to hide. Here's the money. Go and make something that people want to watch. And Bloody. that's the nicest thing to hear. That's Ever. awesome. That's I mean,
2: like, networks
4: say that to me all the time. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I... I was going to add to that that um, we we have different, uh, you know, levels of um, brands who are comfortable at certain different levels. Like, so we we have brands like that's that, for, yeah. which is great, <laughs> but we, we have a lot more brands who need a bit of hand-holding. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying. It's collaborative. Like you, you kind of need to guide them through the process, and and sometimes it could be very. They could do it kicking and screaming a little bit, but once they see the results, they tend to kind of go, "Okay, I get it." You know, whether they'll do it whether they will do it again okay or not is completely up to them. But they they tend to kind of get it once they get to the end.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ultimately, where does the editorial uh, responsibility lie? I, I guess one way. Uh, Uh, Robert, we spoke about this on the phone. Um, What's at stake for you when working uh, with a brand to make a
3: documentary film? Well, the branded content, I mean, there are a lot of forms. So speaking specifically to a feature doc. Yes. So if um, all of the instances where we've done films that were financed by a brand those were actually projects that we went to the brand to. So they didn't come to us. First, we went to them with the idea or we seized the opportunity. Um, And if the intent is is to put forward a film about a cause or an issue, um, they're like, we wanna be in film festivals, we want that exposure, we want it to feel legitimate, so then therefore you have to set up the parameters for it to be that way. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, you have no involvement in the edit, Final Cut is with the filmmaker. Um, we can provide you a courtesy to see a, the Final Cut before it goes out. And, and ideally, and that. that's you, what we try to do. Yep. Um, you know, I think there's, a, there's trust on our part since... Part of what my company does is traditional marketing, so we can actually speak that language. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm going to a brand to get yeah. money to do a film, we already have somewhat of a pre-existing relationship. We've done more traditional work with them. Um, so we have an understanding of what their concerns are. And a lot of times they just want to make sure if they're committed to the message or the cause that you're putting forward in the film, um, they just want to make sure they're not doing anything that will have fall back and disparage the company or the brand. Um, But that's literally the extent of it. And we've had even situations where like, we're taking the money, we're making this film, you're trusting the filmmaker, it's a legitimate filmmaker where you're going to benefit a lot. Not to say there's any guarantees about getting into a film festival, but you're going to, the the chances are greater with that exposure with who you're dealing with. Um, The options you have is, you can decide not to ever release it. That's that's the extent of it. So if there's something there that you're uncomfortable with, um, <laughs> then you can put it on the. Sh- and you, it's it sounds actually shocking. I've had those instances. It's never happened because also think about it.
2: Also, though, I mean, all I need is for it. a brand
3: to basically. It's like a, fi- but it's no different than a financier. Yeah. You know, you do something incorrectly, and I'm not going to release this film. It's too controversial. Um, why would you ever do something that would sort of cause an issue with a financier to spend a lot of money and put a film on the shelf for no one ever to see? You know that happens once or twice. You're not you're no longer raising money to make yeah. films, so it's really yeah. uh, it's it's nuanced slightly. Um, whether I'm getting money from a Netflix or. Uh, equity from an, an, uh, a financier or if I'm dealing with a brand, it's all really the parameters of the specific project. But the editorial control, it's its a non-starter. It's basically we have to have complete... The filmmaking needs to have complete control of it when we're talking about like legitimate feature documentary. And, and
2: if you need to convince the brand that that's a good thing for them ultimately and for the film certainly... Uh, how do you do that? How do, how do you convince them if if they're recalcitrant, if they're resistant to giving you final cuts? It
3: usually doesn't go any farther than that. Yeah. So you go to them, you have the and conversation, so these are out. the parameters, yeah. they're like, why? Well, this, this, and this. We're concerned. This is why you shouldn't be concerned. No, we're really concerned. It's over. <laughs> right. It's really as simple as that. Yeah. And then at that point, once they're understanding of that and trusting, I mean, it's the deal. Now... Th- at times during the process, I'll get a call. Are you sure we can't see something? Or (laughs) (laughs) is there any way, you know, but there, there have been instances where they've seen as a courtesy, they will see a cut that's locked that we're in the process of finishing. So it's not like they sort of feel, Oh, we have time. It's like, here's a cut. So this way you're going to see it a little bit before it's the, an audience at a film festival is going to see it. But to be completely honest, when a, when a, when you get, you do a film and you have the, the good fortune of getting into a, a festival of, of note and a brand knows that it's shocking how excited they are by sure. that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they're doing that because they want it to be considered a legitimate piece of content. Um, And um, they want all of the things that go along with the goodwill that a brand would get. And that's why it's very specific when you're doing feature docs to who you're dealing with. It's very limited. It's not like I've had a lot of brands come to us go like, that was really good. We want to do one of those. And you're like, (laughs) you know, you, there are certain brands it doesn't, you know, I don't want to disparage any brand, but you know, it's like the certain, it doesn't make any sense. There's no logic to why they would be involved in it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, Donovan, um, I'm going to ask you to please set up the the uh, the innovation hub, I'm going to call it, uh, yeah. a clip. Um, it, and, and I guess my question here in reference to this clip is, is there a risk of becoming an advertiser for the
4: brands with brand-funded content that's not an ad? Um, I'll flip that question into an answer and say that it's never a risk. In fact, as a business, as a production company, I want to be the advertiser for these brands. I want I want to be the agency of choice for them to come to. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not waging war against the advertising agency, so to speak, but it's more like uh, what I'm trying to say is that as a filmmaker, as a storyteller, um, sometimes you have to behave as a consultant of sorts as well. You have to help them understand how the story would work with the com- the larger campaign or if the story is the campaign mm-hmm. then how that would work for them mm-hmm. and and just to go back to you know what robert was saying as well is that you know a, a lot of times um you know y- you have to be honest in your initial discussions with the uh, with the with the brand like i i think if you try and sugarcoat it too much because you want the money right or or you or you just think um, they may not want to hear this now, maybe I'll just tell them later, you know, it it, mm. it becomes quite disastrous. Mm. And I always find honesty is the best policy, and it also helps to stop wasting any, anyone's time if, they, if they're if they not interested to go down a certain route. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have those initial things, then later down the line, it's really more of a collaboration where you're trying to fine-tune things rather than disagreeing vehemently and never getting anything done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just going back to your question, um, this next clip i wanted to show this because it's, it's a great example of how uh, a brand uh, we worked with audi singapore on this one and and they um, they're not used to to doing anything without their product in it right but they but they wanted a a documentary uh, so we worked at discovery channel on this one and and so it was a little bit tough. Um, in most circumstances, you kind of just throw, in, throw the towel and just give up and go like, you know, just make an ad. Yeah. But we just figured out, uh, the, the penny drop moment for us is that we figured out that there was an inherent truth in the, in the product and the brand, in the sense that Audi is one of the, the world's oldest car manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gave us the key to kind of really just, yes, they want their products everywhere, but we could at least inform the audiences and engage them and helping them understand the history of the automobile. And that's kind of how it came about. And it was essentially event coverage that they wanted to turn into a story, a series of short-form films. So where's the line done? Here. (laughs) (laughs) Knew that was coming. Um, So, um, no, it's a good question. I mean, like, you know, we... Just to kind of juxtapose it with another opportunity, like that uh, we, we, we are in discussions of a brand that i can 't name, but you know about creating a series on on, on conservation you know um, but in that scenario they they don 't want any interference, they want us to just tell the story in this case, this is a brand that 's not you not not you know, just the first foray into storytelling yeah. And they were uncomfortable with a lot of things, so as a, as a company and as a, almost acting as a consultant, we had to it 's a lot of problem solving and finding solutions to to achieve their goals, but yeah. at the same time still tell something i mean this this trailer doesn 't give the full picture, but then when you watch the apps, you actually learn something oh, about imagine. old cars imagine. so yeah. so i think to answer your question i think from from as a production company it's a, it's a business proposition so yes. I draw the line if 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 it's something that's inherently illegal or you know just distasteful I would say that's where I will draw the line perhaps you know um, but we haven't had to come to a point where that line was crossed from yeah. from our perspective yeah. um, but at the, end, at the end of the day we could figure out a solution we felt that this would be a compelling kind of story and we could make it work and do it with Discovery Channel who's a is a longtime partner of ours as well in yeah. Asia. So And I can
2: see that, that that will take us into an unknown world. It'll take me into a world that I wouldn't otherwise see.
4: Yeah, and the other yeah. thing was that we actually got access to an event in Barcelona which nobody gets to see unless you you're a multimillionaire. So like so we we got to go in and film with people and film cars that you know you wouldn't even catch in the brochure until you see the film. So that was cool.
2: Right. No, thank you. Uh Katie, um, I think yeah. I'm
4: just looking at the clock here, but the
2: the fine line question we'll we'll continue uh, discussing perhaps. But but could you uh, intro uh, this clip? It's far out. Um, it's called far out. Yep. And um, why is it an interesting example of, of product integration?
6: Sure. Um, so yeah, this series this is a series we did ages ago um, on Vice. I think maybe like. 2012 so branded content was kind of really just taking off then Um, and yeah it's called Far Out it was funded by North Face Um, and the series basically is like just a a selection of sort of I think like 30 minute documentaries about people that live in like the most remote places on the planet Um, so yeah I mean there was some this one had product integration which is also why I chose it because I thought it would be good to kind of talk about that Um, uh, the clip this clip that we're going to show, I just chose the most interesting clip. I didn't choose the product integration moment, but um, there's actually a host that kind of helps navigate the story um, in the documentary and they're just wearing North off face. Um, so this was one of, one example of, it kind of makes sense because you'll see the locations they're going to, but um, yeah, let's switch the clip. Um, it's, it's it's available free on youtube on our on our channel if anybody wants to go watch it's a really great series um it's, got, it's clocking up just like millions of views and stuff like that um but yeah i just wanted to to show that one because i thought yeah it was a good opportunity to talk about um product integration and this is this is one example of where i really just didn't find it very offensive at all um it made sense the host was going into these really really cold locations that they would need to wear you know, um, a, a of yeah, one kind or and it, it, yeah. you know, it's there's no like lingering shots. It was before any of that kind of branded content really sort of came in, and it's it's pretty natural. Uh-huh.
2: Um, and, but but the but North Face paid for it,
6: yeah. So North Face fully, fully funded that. I mean, you can kind of make the leap between like where they you know, their brand messaging and why they would tell a story like this, but um. It's, it's also good because I think it doesn't, you talk a lot about um, with brands, like you're trying to find what their core messaging is and that often becomes rather than product placement, like what you're integrating into your content and where you sometimes end up making compromises, I think, with documentary. And this one, I really felt like we didn't have to make much of a compromise. Mm. Um, it was very much about these individuals and their stories and just the remoteness of the location kind of just lent itself to um, their brand messaging. Mm
2: um so so where's the line then for you I mean using these examples uh, for the cell savvy audience you know
6: um so for our audience yeah um I mean this it's, yeah, it's, there's just such a spectrum of branded content and mm. I think like the purer you want to be I guess the, the you know the at et- more editorial control isn't is is absolutely essential um and sort of down the other end of the scale, I don't know. Is is, is the scale legitimate documentary? I'm not sure.
4: Um, but sometimes it's common sense as well, isn't it? It's like, yeah, you'll buy a nice jacket that'll keep you warm. I mean, it's you know, it, it's the same thing. Like um, Discovery does lots of car sh- car shows, so yeah. you know, why wouldn't you check out a cool R8 that no one's ever seen before? I mean, it's it's uh, to me, it's kind of like the audiences are not stupid. I mean, they. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. When you have
5: to hide something, I think the line is when you are being deceitful to your audience, yeah. when you are not giving them the full truth. And as long as you are, I mean, it was the first thing that Robert said, as long as you are transparent with your audience, they get to make the decision if you cross the line or not, and that'll be borne out by numbers. Mm-hmm. And those people don't get to make that content again. So the, the industry takes care of itself as long as um, there is transparency across the board. The, the audience might want fully brand funded stuff because it's the only mm-hmm. way like katie said that certain content is going to get made there are young um producers young filmmakers who will not get to sit in rooms and pitch ideas to people who have lots of money so they have to go to brands if you want those people to start making their way through the industry that's how they're going to do it Hmm. but they can still be creative um in create in making that content for a brand but it's just about being transparent i think
4: the, the difference between us and an advertising agency and and what Rob did at Alphago is a great example. It's like, they, they, they want you to understand who they are and what they believe in, but they don't want you to drink the Kool-Aid yeah. because they're paying you not to drink the Kool-Aid because yeah. they want you to do the film that you always do really well as a mm-hmm. storyteller. And... I mean, if, if, if Robert didn't do it a good job, is because he just drank And if you interviewed a whole bunch of Google execs yeah. and made it about them, then then he they would think that's okay. But because they trust you as a filmmaker yeah. to make decisions yeah, editorially, and, and
3: yeah. My company, we do a lot of commercials. I, I, I personally don't like the term branded content. Yep, it's enough. not really branded concert. I, I, something like AlphaGo, I consider to be sponsored content.
2: Yeah,
3: there's a sponsor.
2: That's interesting. Yeah. I do a
3: series for Netflix. It's Netflix is a sponsor; they're paying for it. I, I think the branding, ter- the branded term, I've never liked it because it, it has a, a connotation to it that it sort of represents. Oh, it's an ad. There's a brand. Um, as far as we're concerned, they're just a vehicle for finance in those specific instances. So, for me, I would rather say. If I had to use the content word at all, it would be sponsor content is how we would consider it.
5: And like by the sounds of it Alpha Go on our show, it's kind of reverse engineered. We, we, we already knew the show we wanted to make. And like we said, that our first question was, who benefits from this being in the world, from this being born? Mm-hmm. And let's go and talk to them and mm-hmm. see if they want to get it in the world because they're going to benefit from it. from It being in the form we want it to be, their brand will just benefit from that story being told. So if they want that story to be told, they want it to be live out there for people to see, they need to help us get there. So you get them on board that way. Hmm.
6: Advice I think like our compass is probably a bit different because you know, we have an audience and that's yeah. sort of our we, that's mm-hmm. something that we sit down and we ask ourselves so like I would think- we would we make this? Like would we make this anyway and put this in our channel? Mm-hmm. Is this something that our audience will like? And if the answer is yes, then that's great. Um whereas if 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 the answer is no, then that's something we really have to sit and think about and be like, Well, why are we doing this? And our audience is gonna become you know unfaithful to us or just disrespect us if we do this like we sit around and we talk about that quite a bit like we like especially as vice because you know in the early days we just shat on everybody that was sort of our business model just like bagging people out and now as we've grown up um, our audience loves to do that to us so so they just tell us exactly what they think on comments and everything so so we have to sit and think about that like people just going to call bullshit on this um but there is the other option when we're working with brands as well to say okay you want to do this thing, it actually doesn't really align with what we're trying to do, but we can make this thing for you and it will actually make sense on your own channels. Yeah. So we do that sometimes.
2: Mm. Mm. So it's very entrepreneurial. You're all entrepreneurial in your approach to this subject matter, aren't you? It's not prescribed. You're taking an initiative. Is that fair to say? Yeah. 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 yeah.
5: Absolutely. I mean, and you've got to. There are so many content makers now and so many different ways to get it out there. It is about finding what suits your company and the way in which we structure our deals and the way we do things suits our company and we can give advice to others, but it's, it's going to be very different and very similar in some areas to how everyone else does it. So it's mm-hmm. about finding what, what fits.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the deal structures are funded or con- contribute and we retain editorial control how, Im- how important is that to get it in the contract
5: for us it's it's the f- one of the first things we have discussions about yeah um a- and again it, it comes back to all of our projects have been brought from that same idea of um there's going to be benefit in you but just being involved in getting this up um so if you let us do our thing there will a- a- and we've chatted about it already the trust that needs to be there for that to happen um a lot of um, we're going over things we have already talked about but it's so important to have that trust with the brand. Mm, so mm. being upfront and honest with with a brand starts to build that trust. Mm. You know that they know you're not hiding anything. They mm. know you're going to be honest with them, so they start to to trust a little bit.
4: Mm. I think on the on the practical level, because we're not channel, I mean, B channels, but we do have distribution abilities, and also we know we work with a lot of good distributors. So most of these brands, they. They 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 won't know how to store this content or what to do with it, and you know we we tend to advise them. It's like look, you know, get it out there, mm. um, and you know, and 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 also that comes boils down to how well we produce it to make it palatable for other channels to want to watch it, uh, to want to put it on their platforms, and then so we we tend to advise them to find a way to distribute it beyond the the shelf life.
0: Yeah.
5: Mm. Mm. And I guess the 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 marriage of we're going to create what we want to create, but if you really want your your brand hero shots, we can create that alongside it as shoulder content and give that to you to do what you want with. Yes. But we're going to end up getting to where we want to be and we think it's where you want to be as well. Yeah. So it's that little handhold that they are still getting what they want, all the hero shots, all the beautifully lit stuff, all of the, me, the whoever's on camera saying that name, we can do that. It won't go in the show, but you'll have it because we'll shoot it alongside. So that can be a way to get over some hurdles as well of getting back some control around editorial for the the main project. Mm. Mm. It's giving it up on other things.
2: Mm. No, I like that. That, again, entrepreneurial, isn't it? It's it's making it win-win one way or another.
5: Yeah, most of the times when I sit down with a brand, I know I've got something that they want. I just need to figure out as much as I can about their values, beliefs, and what it is that they want. And we can normally put a package together that will give them what they want. If it takes a heap of convincing in that first meeting, like Robert said, that's normally where you go, okay, this is just going to end up in tears in three months' time, so I'm just going to save myself a lot of heartache and get out in the air.
2: Um, Bit of a case study to end with here. Uh, Robert, the the Moment uh, project called Mm -hmm. The Moment, uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, how this came about? Um, and we, we, we're going to see the clip after that.
3: This was a very unique situation. So we were filming a commercial for Visa for uh, it was the previous World Cup, where we we're basically traveling. The idea of the commercial, uh, we were there was a script. We were filming various Nobel laureates, all winners of peace prizes but they were out of character because they were very pro their country. So here are these people of peace yeah. and they're basically there talking about, you know, it was Lech Walesa in Poland and, and all of these various amazing people. So that's very structured, it's commercial. Um, since we had these people, the director, um, in a way of getting those specific lines we needed for the 60 second commercial, he had the opportunity, he decided I wanted to interview them. So he did interviews, It's part of his process. They didn't care. They were going to get their commercial. Um, And ultimately, when we came back, we realized we had a wealth of material that was really interesting. So we presented them with an idea of, for Bob Geldof, Lech Walesa, and uh, Leymah Gabawi, They they spoke specifically about a moment that sort of defined them and their cause and the reason why they were a Nobel laureate. Um, and we felt that we'd be really powerful short documentary films. So um, we, at that time, we, we, we still do. We had a really good relationship with OpDocs, with the New York Times. And we felt these would be just wonderful pieces to put out into the world. Um, went to Visa, said, presented them with the idea. They were like, that's interesting. Um, they said, this is how it would work. It's the New York Times. Um, we don't even know if they're going to go for this. Basically, they're going to want to contractually insist you have no part of this at all. Basically, you're funding it. We need to be transparent and basically saying that it's funded by the Visa Corporation. They've had no part of, other than the filmmaker, as far as editorial control, and you have to pay for everything. And they're like, why would we do this? And I was like, well, one of the benefits to a brand is if you put something out that's entertaining, educational, something that has a benefit to a viewer, uh, you know, I think to to your point, you said that viewers, you know, consumers are very smart. They feel they're getting something out of it and not being sold something. Even on a subconscious level, there's a benefit to the brand, even in perception. It's not about, it's Visa, it's credit cards. People aren't going to go out and start spending money um, just because Visa. And... They understood and they felt it. So it was sort of an ele- not even just a profile. They just felt it was a really way of maximizing um, just an opportunity that we created. Um, it took a lot of convincing with the times, um, but ultimately they understood. They trusted us because we've didn't done these before. The Visa Corporation. We gave them a courtesy viewing when they were finished, um, and then we had the benefit of premiering them at the, premiering them at the Telluride Film Festival. But part of the deal was. We owned, uh, usually how it works in ap- advertising, they own the copyright, they own all the material. So you do an ad, they can use all of the material that wasn't in the ad, they have use to all of it. For this, they had none of that. So there was a, the period of time where it was exclusive on the Times. After that, they can utilize the film without changing it, um, either on their website or however they wanted to associate themselves with They could never change it. They could never utilize the material in any other fashion than the finished short film, and we had, and literally that was the contract that we negotiated. So with
2: effectively, them. a holdback.
3: Yep. Yeah. They couldn't do anything. They were buying into what those films represented, um, and um, and it was really successful. And for them, the idea of the goodwill in terms of telling these stories and going to a festival and sitting in an audience and 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 having you know at a legitimate film festival people can you know just the stories that they were being provided it, it actually provided some benefit to them and it wasn't anything tangible you weren't there was no it wasn't a product or anything at the, literally at the end it basically said you know it's like people you know it's like when the ford motor company underwrites documentaries or general motors for for pbs it's the same sort of thing it's just mm. It's, it's, a, it's a means of finance, and in that particular instance, um, we were just able to seize an opportunity. Mm.
2: So, mm. Uh, so, guys, we've got 20 minutes left. Uh, send through your questions. I'm getting some here, but you know how it works through the app. We'll watch the clip, and then we can throw to some questions uh, for the last 20 minutes, so thank you.
3: Makes you want to go and use your Visa card. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, look, a real diverse contribution of of content that we've seen today, and and that's what I kind of find really exciting in this space, is that um, films are made here. Crazy stories are made here. Uh, Fascinating insights are made here. Great shows are made here. And brands are paying for it. And like you said, Don, to me in that first phone call, it's a, it, it's a, it's an important tool for the entrepreneurial producer, for the modern producer, to have in the toolbox, you know, to, to open ourselves perhaps to, to brand-funded content or or whatever you know we call it. So, so thank you all. Um, I'm going to uh, just get some questions in. Um, Apart from focusing on the values of the brand, we've, we've spoken about identifying the values and, and aligning content with that, so identifying what they want. Uh, from a values point of view, uh, what, uh, g- give us some other tips to approaching uh, and pitching a story to a brand.
5: Why is everybody looking
2: at <laughs> be, be Beyond the values. <laughs> approach does that
5: maybe uh, maybe, uh, so for us um we work with a a major salmon supplier in tasmania called Hewan. um and if anyone knows anything about the salmon industry in tasmania it's been copying it a little bit um, about sustainability and and clean farming practices and and so on and so forth and and they had just um invented uh, these um double walled nets and they were going out into deep ocean to start doing their farming so our series aligned nicely with their step into a new frontier of farming. So we saw that as an opportunity to, to tell their, that story for them of the next stage of their, um, their evolution as a, as a farming company. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's we, we pitched that idea. And I guess uh, um, what Dom was talking about before, sometimes it can be about an event, it can't be about, it might not be about the values. We've told the, the value story of, of human in the past, and, and we've had a long-standing relationship with Huon. so we knew they had this new cab coming off the rank, and it was about us going, "Right, well, here's an opportunity to tell that story to a big audience, um, and try and have that um, understood." And we can also make some other content for you while we're doing it. So it doesn't. If, if you already understand the values in the, the of the company, which, as I said before, I try and figure out in those first couple of meetings, so then I know what it is that I'm trying to hitched to their, their brand. Hmm. Um, it can be around an event or a, a new product launch or um, anything that's happening in that, that company space.
2: Let's flip this question. Uh, values are integral to all of this, aren't they? That, uh, I I mean, mean, you, you can't go to a brand with a different persona, a different set of values and pitch this idea.
5: No, It's got to be about the fit. I, I couldn't go to Monsanto and have a conversation about, mm. you know, genetically modified canola oil and say I want to put it in my show because their values mm. don't match mine. Mm. So it, values are, are important. And these brands are, are building their – making their bones off their values as companies as well. Um, so it, it all comes back to that initial – for us, um, it all comes back to that initial idea of um, who benefits from this being made. Yeah. Um, and mm. does what we want to make align with a, a, a value strategy of a
4: brand? Mm. I, I, I think the big tip is that it, it, I'm hoping this helps to help you reevaluate how wonderfully, you know, full of opportunities this period of time is, despite whatever flux there is in the content industry. I mean, like, the, this, this is a great example that if you're entrepreneurial enough, you can make anything work. Um, and, you know, and the money is there it's not just with the channels it's not just with the distributors it's it's with brands who want to tell a story too so i think you know don't wait for them to come to you go out to them you know um you know it's it's great lesson i think from all all the things that we've been talking about
5: Mm. our production company made Mm. just under 100 episodes of of network television this year and was 90 percent funded by brands
2: that's Um, nice yeah
5: so it's it is it is a space that uh, as we said at the beginning, brands are starting to play in now because they are moving away from normal advertising because the the audience is co- so savvy hmm.
1: Hmm. Uh,
2: another question um, uh, do you bring multiple brands on for the one project you know and I- I- if so, how does that work? This is an interesting one
5: we do with with, <laughs> with food lab being sixty five episodes we need multiple brands um, but again, food television lends itself so nicely to that because I have to make um, uh, just under 300 recipes for a season of the show. So I've got to use lots of ingredients. That's an opportunity to, to connect with lots of brands that, that match what, what it is we're trying to do. Mm. In
4: formats. Big reality shows always have multiple brands. It's always an easy one. But, mm. but you know, it, a lot of brands these days are associated with other brands. So, a, chances of conflict can be quite high. So, mm-hmm. it's it's always a bit. Always do your homework before you you pitch a big idea, and then you realise that they also own the you know a competitive brand, and then they just kind of look at you like you don't get me, you know. So, sure. Yeah. Be- yeah. Better to research it first. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um. Is is so? Is brand finance? Is brand finance the best pathway for every project?
5: No. 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 Well, if you look at brand finance the way Robert does, everything's a, a spon- like there is a, whether it's someone like Netflix, they are a brand that are are financing a show but I guess what is seen as brand finance I don't think it is the best way to go about everything
3: we do. Yeah, it's all about being appropriate. It's like anything else. Um, um, If you're doing a documentary on a sensitive subject uh, you know let's say politically speaking is leaning in one direction and you're independently financing it you're not going to go to high net worth individuals that lean on that side if that's the kind of story. It's, it's all about appropriateness. So um, it would be no different than how we consider raising funding, whether it's equity funding or we're dealing with independent financing or even the t- sort of distributors and where you're selling and who you're sort of aligning yourself with. Sort of look at it as all the same. Do, do networks
2: or traditional pathway funding Entities like uh, our agencies here in Australia, for example, do they ever have a problem getting involved with brand-funded content?
5: They're all they're all a little bit different, I guess. I mean, Vice obviously is very different to someone like Channel Network Ten or. Um Nine or SPS or uh, everyone looks. Every network looks at it differently. As to Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they love it because it's helping their subsidised content being made. They don't have to make it. They can still get content that they haven't had to commission and have to worry about Mm -hmm. that. Um, And at the same time, it can hurt them with their advertising space in between because obviously there's there's advertising, advertising happening within the show itself. So again, it's it's it is a new frontier that's being managed constantly Um, and and it feels like it's a constant set of moving goalposts Mm -hmm. Um, but that's why that dialogue between the network for us is so important um, all throughout the relationships we have with all of our networks it's it's that back and forth dialogue that's important about what you expect um, and what are we delivering.
2: Mm -hmm. Katie do you ever uh, choose to do one of your shows but not do it with a brand I mean is that Oh yeah, definitely. Why. I yeah. mean,
6: yeah, there's there's um, uh, stuff in our slate that we wouldn't, we don't even really kind of like. Obviously, our creative team know about it. But we're kind of like, don't go to this one. Um, we want to kind of <laughs> do our own right. thing over here. So, absolutely. I mean, that's that's yeah. also completely part of our um, production model where we make content, and mm-hmm. so there's other things that we can do with that content if it's not associated with a brand. And yeah. sometimes, yeah, it just depends.
2: Yeah.
5: On all of our projects, the first people we've gone to is the network to see if we can get the show commissioned. Um, but then you are you working you're basically working with another brand, which is the network. They get editorial control, and you're making the content for them. And it's just like if you're working for a brand. Um, so that's the f- our first point of call. And when that do- door gets closed, then we look at other f- revenue streams.
1: Hmm.
2: Are, are there uh, some examples any of you can give of uh, relationships with a brand that have gone gone wrong? Uh, what what were the reasons? Learning and and, and learnings from. Such examples. And you, well, even if I did, I'm not going <laughs> to <Yeah>. say
3: <laughs> No, I mean, honestly, no. I mean, look, I've, I've had a couple of un- projects that sort of died because either the the specifics of a project change. I think part of the deal is if you sort of feel like it's, it's like that with anything. If you feel a project is gonna go down a dark road, then you wanna try to sort of remove yourself from that. Um, even with having all control, like it's actually having complete control editorially of a project is, is, is a, it's an important thing in this vein, but um, it's also problematic. Because if there's any problem, the fault goes in one direction. It's a burden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it is a burden. The fault goes completely in one direction. So mm. um so you have to you're constantly sort of just managing it and and th- there are times you sort of we've pulled out of things purely because we could sort of get a sense this is gonna go down the place, which is more traditional and it's mm. and it's not really in line with um you know th- the content that we were looking to create. Um you know, and that's just sort of, in, in this vein, that's just sort of very, very important. Mm.
2: That's interesting. So so is that why, Ben, is that why you pitched to broadcasters first so that you don't have to shoulder all the editorial responsibility Yeah, I mean, I've,
5: that I've had times when we've had notes come back and we've asked, there's been some queries about things being changed and we've pushed back and said, no, we're keeping it as it is. That's the night that you lose a lot of sleep because you are constantly playing it back over in your head of do I really want to, is this the hill I want to die on? Is that is that so important to how that segment unrolls that I, I put my flag in the ground here and say, mm. no, this is where we want to mm. um, stamp editorial to control and does that weaken my opportunities to do it later. So it, it's a constant, I mean, again, we create lots. So the opportunity that we're having episodes go out quite regularly um, that are getting notes back. Um, and then once you so I remember the, the first 20 we first twenty episodes we sent out we got lots of notes back and then once there was that back and forth of dialogue in that first 20 the next 40 50 episodes there was very little notes because they knew okay well, that's the line and not everyone kind of moved forward from there this is mm. so it it's but that's going to happen with any any project you work with multiple people on trying to limit the amount of people that you work with I guess is is always the key if I can work with one brand and only one brand only then I'm happy with that Mm. that's one conversation I need to have Mm. about how that show is that is perceived that content is perceived if I'm working with five then it's it's a juggling act of lots of notes coming in Mm.
6: I think also like one thing that that I would say is that having just your champion at the brand that one person at the company (laughs) that completely understands what you're trying to do is on board is pumped about it um and Making sure that they're going to be there for the duration, duration. of the project, because we've had situations where, yeah, you will you sort of get to post production, then there's a new brand manager comes You're in, they're like, they they're trying to like you know, set put a little stamp on the ground or whatever, yeah. uh, and they just kind of come in and are like, what's this project? And they just immediately dislike it, and that that can be a huge problem.
2: Uh, I can imagine. So so that's a good segue to this next question. Um, how do you manage the brand contribution? Uh, or, or funding when the angle of your documentary changes significantly so it's a different take on that so when you change the story
6: um. uh, well, I mean up f- I mean what we sort of I guess when we present initially w- what we want to do, um, you know, say we want to do a series and we, we we pitch episodes of what that might be, we're very clear about being like, these are indicative episodes. This is the type of thing we might do. Yeah. Um, I think it's about, yet yeah, the terminology and what you're saying up front is negating that it might change later because, um, that yeah, it does.
4: Yeah, you need to create, I mean, it's, you need to create that walled garden, don't you, like, you need to go, this is the concept, this is how we're going to do it, and
5: as an example yeah
4: if something changes it's not going to shock them because uh, you know and normally if
5: something does change you've got a pretty good reason as to why yeah this has to change I mean like like, it's a bit
4: of empathy because you know sometimes we can be quite selfish as storytellers like we think it's all about us most of the time it is. But, yeah, but yeah. the thing is, it's at the same time, you've know you got to feel for these guys. like they, They're shouldering a lot of money. They have to spend a lot of money. They have to get the bread. They have to be successful. They have to sell more products. Something happens. They get all the bad press. We don't. you know. There's a lot of that sort of thing that weighs on them, and they get, might get sacked from their jobs if this goes pear-shaped. And so I think we, we, we try and feel for, for them as well, and we try and make sure that there's enough of you know enough prep work enough that world got like create the concept and then make sure that we try and deliver what we set out to deliver together so I think that thing that's important and if the, you know it, it shouldn't just change suddenly like yeah. it can't be that it just I don't know, it's like in
5: the pitch it, it might change from the pitch um, but normally you've got some pretty compelling reasons as to why the pitch has changed <laughs>
2: For a long-form documentary, though, the story does change. I mean, for, for you know, like y- you're Gallus out there and tell that you, y- didn't have. Y- you have to pursue
3: what presents, don't you,
2: for it to be a doc?
3: I, I think there are certain stories or certain subject matter. If even the feeling that there's the potential of that to happen, I personally would not go to a brand looking for funding. It's all about being appropriate and knowing what you're doing. I'm not going to go off and... Um, just citing one of the films we've done, you know, I'm not going to go and do a film about the atrocities in Abu Ghraib and expect a, bar- a brand to be involved in that. You, mm-hmm. There's a reason. It's, it's just being appropriate and understanding of where things can go. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I don't think brands are in a place or sophisticated enough. Or I don't even think, it's, to be completely honest, I don't think it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. So it's like anything yeah. else. Yeah. It's about what makes the most sense and it's no different in terms of how you sort of decide and as far as distributors or what you know there's a reason why one network will is interested in a certain kind of project and then another work, network mm-hmm. is not it's it's mm-hmm. sort of the same sort of principle mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but i still think it's probably a, a a bit more limited than in the more traditional fashion mm-hmm.
5: yeah, if you don't know where the end point is and what the story that gets you from a to b is going to be um, and you can get a brand on board You've done something very well in a pitch mm. if if they don't know, if they can't see the end result and understand the thread, then I don't know what you did in the pitch but you did a bloody good job
2: <laughs> <laughs> if they give you, the if money. you if yeah. they gave
5: you the money and yeah. you couldn't really explain how you were going to get to point b okay yeah yeah uh just a a,
2: a quick question uh Ben d- do you purchase time slot? from the broadcasters for your shows?
5: We have done it before um, and we, we haven't done it before. Um, again, it uh, purchasing time slot puts you into, I think puts you into advertising space. Mm-hmm. Um, once you buy that time slot, then you're out, you are selling that time slot to, to brands and saying, I can give you, basically I can give you audience Interesting for your brand. And yeah. then there are other ways in which we've done it where it's, we try and create, like I said before, we try and create shows that are as clean skin as possible um because we want we want international distribution and we want different network distribution. Um, so that's what we sell to the brands that we work with is um, we can get a time slot um, but we're going to do that and have it not look like an ad, we're going to have to create a show that it looks like it isn't hasn't been isn't brand funded. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Good. Well, a
2: minute left. To say a big thank you to all of you. That was really, really interesting for me um, and hopefully for others. Uh, a real insight and, and a very honest one. So so thank you all. Thank thank you. You.
0: you have been listening to an ACME podcast. For more recordings, go to soundcloud.com slash ACME Online or the ACME website.